What's Good Friends List, episode 107 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. Valve has finally pulled the curtain back on its newest device called the Steam Deck, a portable gaming PC with all the bells and whistles found on a traditional gaming rig or laptop. While it's an impressive piece of tech, will it be a practical one? So this week, we get you caught up on all of the details on Valve's newest piece of hardware and what the future may look like for it. Does its price point make sense? Will it talk to the average consumer, with its presentation quite identical to that of a Nintendo Switch? We lay it all out for you. Plus, we talk difficulty and accessibility in modern gaming, Halo Infinite getting its own ping system, and much, much more coming up on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz wherever you get a podcast at, and Follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like and our dope giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, aka Travelus, on most internet platforms. Joining me, as always, my partner in crime. Two weeks in a row now, we're back on track. Mike Peepack. Mike, as always, man, what's good? What's going on? And most importantly, what have you been playing? Because it's, you know, it's a fucking video game show. What have you been playing, my man? Fucking video game show. Not, not much. Not much is 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 that great, my man. But because I've been spending a lot of time on Valley Girl, the oh, old Valorant. Boy. So uh, you know what they say out in Hollywood about them Valley Girls. They don't have much good to say about them. But <laughs> I've been I've been enjoying the game. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, the new agents they've been releasing, although I believe that they're still a little strapped for matches or not matches maps excuse me um mm -hmm. the new agents have been adding some different layers of uh strategy into the game that have been enjoyable mm -hmm. um you know it's just been something i've been kind of cutting my teeth on i you know i can only play halo 3 for so long and right, then of course i'll move on to this for a little bit and then i'll always go back it's the old crack pipe that keeps on giving <laughs> well naturally i mean you're you're a man of many crack pipes at this point uh between yes. halo 3 Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> between <laughs> Halo 3, uh, CSGO, now a little bit of Valorant, you know, it's... That was the FBI tapping into your computer. They heard crack pipe. They, they were like, where? <laughs> the war on drugs. <laughs> Look, there it is again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I, I I'm, a, I'm a man who wears few hats, but I wear few hats a lot, so... Yeah, it's like, you only have a couple of hats... But they're like big ass top hats, you know, like <laughs> literally like Doug Dimidone hats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the Abe Lincoln style. Like you got the big ass tall one going on. So literally, um, no, I, I, I know what you mean. It's it's it, you're a man of I don't want to say few tricks, but the tricks are real good. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I prefer to just play a few games and be really good at them. It, they're just my style. Right. Uh, yeah. There's games that I enjoy, but uh 
most of the time I'm going to go back to a competitive shooter that basically if I'm better than you, I'm going to win. That's, right. well, that's the way I like it. Naturally, of course. Um, and I am better than you. Right. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean. Alpha Chad style <laughs> Valorant talking. <laughs> that's great. Um, but yeah, that's... I, that's how you've always been with it and that doesn't shock me nothing will change you know it's it is what it is um but on my end it's kind of been i well update on the i need to get like a graphic that pops up even though we don't do video i'll just still have it pop up on the youtube version or edit in some kind of like like some update noise on my bethesda playthrough as we inch closer towards starfield each and every week i finished oblivion Got all one, at least for the base game of it, I got all 1,000 achievements. So on my newer profile. So there we go. It's all done. Um, I will How, go how does it feel? It, good. Welcome to the club, by the way, right. first and foremost. I want to welcome you with open arms to the club because I feel like there's not a whole lot of it. I feel like there there is a good bit of us out there, but a vast majority of the players aren't a part of that club. So no. I mean, Adam Marsh, not a part of that club. Yeah. So how does it feel? It, it, it's good. It's good to have it. And, but it's almost like a false crown anymore because now there is, I mean, for, I shouldn't say now, it's been that way for fucking like well over a decade now that there is the, it's now a 12, uh, 1250 you know, gamer mm -hmm. score. So now I have to go back, do Shiver Isles, get all that. But oh, so you're not part of the V so club. I'm yet. not part of the club, but the base game, I have all 1000 achievements in it. So it feels good, you know, but now it, it naturally I did start up a new Fallout 3 playthrough. So now I got to start into that. But that's a little more convoluted to getting all the achievements or like, you know, even if you're on PlayStation, you're doing trophies. Um, and like I was doing with Fallout 4, I was going for the Platinum Trophy on that actually last year as one of those like, you know, before the next gen starts, I want to get one random like full achievement or Platinum. And not, I don't know why I chose to do Fallout 4 on PS4, but I was like, you know what? I want to do, do that. And Fallout games are because there's so many choices involving and, and not that Elder Scrolls isn't that way, but Elder Scrolls to me seems much more open in terms of the story with it's not as consequential and i think fallout at least with fallout 3 and fallout new vegas and fallout 4 there still was consequence but it wasn't as deep i think of consequences um mm -hmm. but elder scrolls to me it wasn't as consequential you can you can it your picks weren't as solidified as i feel like they are in fallout so um or choices i should say so it's kind of a little more, I got to pull up a guide and see, okay, like, cause I want to do it in one pass. I don't necessarily want to go through and do multiple playthroughs with not that anything's wrong with playing the game, but you get what I'm saying where it's, I, I need to go through and look at, okay, I'm doing X. I need to do X, Y, and Z, make a save here, start doing this stuff, then come back to that save, you know, a couple hours later, go and do this. So, um, it, it's one of those things. I wasn't necessarily burnt out from open world games. Um, but mm -hmm. I started up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a couple days. Just, just let it simmer for a little bit, play something else, you know, and let it kind of sink in. But uh, now that I've finished up Oblivion, it's kind of in that I know that there's like, like I'm picking up the HD remaster of Skyward Sword for Zelda tomorrow. So I'm probably going to play that this weekend, to be quite honest. Um, and, you know, a couple of other things, I'm sure, too. But Molly and I have kind of been stuck in picking that next game that we're going to play together. Um we were working through Mortal Kombat. Not that we fell off of that, but we started playing, getting back into Tomb Raider or Rise of the Tomb Raider. And we kind of been dipping our toes in a couple of different things. So 
it hasn't been that like I haven't played I've played a lot of like one or two games but not a lot of games this week for once um so eventually we'll get back to that we'll pick one I want to go back and play Psychonauts before Psychonauts 2 drops next month so kind of have a lot of that uh you know I kind of have that to look forward to um I've been getting the itch to re-give Star Wars Squadrons another try since it's on EA Play, um, and I could either obviously play it on PC if I wanted to, too, with, um, you know, Game Pass Ultimate, having EA Play involved with it, um, but also, too, if I wanted to, I can go and play it on my Series X, which I haven't installed on both. I haven't ch- I haven't decided what I want to, which one I want to give it a try on yet, but I've been thinking about, since I didn't give it a super fair shake, um, I'd like to actually sit down, you know, invest a couple of hours to say, okay, I wanted to play this game really bad. I love Star Wars dogfighting games. Like, this should be my thing. Didn't click right off the bat, but there was a lot of other stuff going on when it launched last year. So I'd like to give that another try and, you know, go in there and give it a fair shake. But I digress, Mike. Let's head into Button Mash before we get too long in the two today because we're kind of on time crunch for this week. But we got a lot of news to talk about, and that kind of plays into it, too. So... Before we get into our big topics, let's hit in the button mash, cover the quick hit stuff for the week, and get you caught up in the world of video games before we get into our big topics for this week. So, kicking off button mash, starting with EA has confirmed that Battlefield 2042 will feature crossplay. Although not on all platforms, will it be available for players to play with each other? So, crossplay was confirmed in the new Battlefield briefing, but EA made it clear that there will be two pools of players rather than one single mixed group. There'll be PC, Xbox Series X and S, and PS5, and PC and console can opt out if they want to. And then there's also Xbox One and PS4. So basically, current gen, new gen, whatever you want to call it, and PC separated from last gen, Xbox One, PS4. So not that crazy. But the reasoning for this separation of players comes down to the difference between new gen and last gen versions of the game. More modern platforms will see 128 player matches, while last gen consoles will see only ex- be only extended to 64 player matches. Uh, and we also learned this week that map sizes will be different across last gen and new gen versions of the game, though they didn't necessarily go into too much detail. But I digress. 2K Sports has revealed that Chicago Sky player Candace Parker will grace the cover of NBA 2K22, making her the first woman and first WNBA player ever on the NBA 2K cover. She will appear as part of a GameStop exclusive release of the game celebrating the WNBA's 25th anniversary uh, season when NBA 2K22 comes out on September 10th. Quote, extremely proud and humbled to be the first female cover athlete in the history of at NBA 2K, Parker wrote on Twitter. I'm honored to work with a company that's investing in women and betting on us to succeed. I'm hopeful that uh, there will be many more badass females to follow, end quote. Activision has preemptively blocked the release of a, quote, undetectable cheat system. The publisher requested that development of the system be terminated after seeing footage of it running in Call of Duty Warzone. PC Gamer reported on the cheat known as User Vision Pro that was an aim assist and auto fire cheat. Footage of the system in action uh, subsequently spread, showing the effect on Call of Duty Warzone gameplay. The system was billed as, quote, being undetectable, unstoppable, and capable of running on any game on any console or PC due to the script running on a different computer to the game, meaning that no game files would be altered, allowing it to slip through the anti cheat software. 
the Xbox family system or family settings, I should say, app is getting an update that will allow players and guardians to set spending limits on microtransactions for their children. So no more fucking V-Bucks. <laughs> Xbox announced this news uh, earlier this week, revealing that parents and caregivers, caregivers, I should say, have been requesting options to track and manage their child's spending since the last year. The next Xbox Family Settings app update will finally bring these options and more to the app to see. Now that's where you're, if you're as a parent, don't necessarily, this is just a suggestion you do with your finances as you do, but I fully recommend not putting your credit card on there. Just go buy your kid a prepaid card. Um, just go buy them the prepaid Xbox card. Don't put your credit card on there because that's asking for trouble. No, just say. Um, IGN can exclusively announce that Nickelodeon's All-Star Brawl, a new fighting game uh, featuring characters from SpongeBob SquarePants, Rugrats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ren and Stimpy, and more is coming soon. The brawler, which looks very similar to Super Smash Brothers in style, will come to PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch in the fall of 2021, so this year. It's being developed by Ludosity and Fairplay Labs and published by Game Mill Entertainment. Now, we don't have a full list of characters yet, but we do know the ones that will be featured. Michelangelo and Leonardo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Nigel Thornberry of the Wild Thornberries, Powdered Toast Man from Ren and Stimpy, which is fucking awesome, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, Sandy Cheeks, Patrick Star from SpongeBob SquarePants, obviously, Obelina from Al Ah, Real Monsters, there we go, Lucy Loud from Loud House, and Lincoln Loud from Loud House, Helga from Hey Arnold, Reptar from Rugrats, Zim from Invader Zim, and Danny Phantom from, obviously, Danny Phantom. Um, and there will be more characters to announce, but these are all the ones we have so far. And it's funny because, like, the community of Smash was talking about this, and the fact that they have, like, rollback deck code and things like that that are already built into this game and not into super smash brothers one of the most popular fighting games and biggest competitive fighting games in the world they don't have so kind of sticks out a little bit there's a little bit of salt going in there rightfully so <laughs> Fall- i mean nintendo nintendo just doesn't yeah nintendo gonna nintendo at this point i mean they just they don't enjoy kids going online and they also don't enjoy esports like you're saying so Following a sealed copy of Mario 64 selling for $1.5 million, collectors are looking for the quote next big thing to make them a ton of money. One buyer in particular believes that the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim may be it as they have purchased a sealed copy for $600. As spotted by Axios, the copy of Skyrim sold on on Heritage Auctions on the same day as the Mario 64 one and is the first time the popular auction site is selling a sealed copy. So $600, you got to sealed copy of Skyrim laying around, get it graded and whatnot, you may make $600. Hunt Showdown, here you go, Mike, will add a new map in its next update, and it comes with a reference to a very different kind of monster to its uh, unusual mix of grim creations. Shrek, as pointed out by... What? Yeah, as pointed out by Jack Biggs, the new DeSale map, which is in the live test servers right now before it release later in the summer, includes a very familiar swamp house in the far south we, uh, southwest region. Not only does the house look almost identical to Shrek's house, but it includes an outhouse that will undoubtedly become home to a thousand Smash Mouth soundtrack meme videos very soon. So yes, Shrek's house coming in the new map 
on, on Showdown. So we'll definitely have to come back in and check that out. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers' LeBron James will officially join Fortnite as a playable athlete on July 14th. So it's out now. Go and check it out. With two separate out outfits, one of which is inspired by his Toon Squad jersey from Space Jam A New Legacy. Both of LeBron's outfits will come complete with his upcoming signature shoe, the LeBron 19, and each one will represent a different, uh, different part of the NBA basketball star. And last but not least, of course, we got to end it on a positive note, even though we're turning in a news article, or I should say a blip in the news, I believe last week or the week before, of uh, River, the dog who inspired Fallout Force dog meat, passing away, unfortunately, due to old age, but unfortunately passing away uh, a few weeks ago. Following last month's death of River, the dog who inspired Fallout 4's dog meat companion, Xbox and Bethesda Studios have announced the companies are donating $10,000 to the Montgomery County Humane Society. So, ending on a good note, at least with Button Mash. But after saying all of that, Mike, anything you want to run back before we head into our big topics for this week? I'm kind of hyped for the Nintendo Fighter. Uh, I mean, uh, Nickelodeon I know. Fighter, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's. I'm sorry, Nickelodeon. Yes. I'm, I'm really hyped for that, actually, because... I think it's a really good idea. I've always kind of been wondering like when that was going to come out. And obviously we've gotten our answer and it's just interesting to see the fighters they're choosing. Uh, it's cool to see like the net code that they're working on and everything. Mm -hmm. All that, all that stuff's super interesting. And outside of that, um, I do kind of want to give call of duty a little bit of a, of a kudos uh, at blizzard for them trying to get ahead of that cheat. They, you know, call of duties had a very tough, situation with warzone with all the cheating that goes on and everything mm -hmm. and i would just want to give them a little bit of a kudos and let them or and give them a a little bit of a shout out for getting ahead of that cheat and trying to stay ahead of that um mm -hmm. rather than letting it just run rampant in their game like they have with other cheats oh yeah for sure i mean that's when you hear of cheating anymore it's usually a show associated with call of duty like that is the mm -hmm. one that is the one massive online multiplayer game that we end up seeing in my opinion, that is, no, granted, because it's one of the most popular franchises and games in the world, that you see it become so rampant with cheaters, especially now that it's free-to-play, anybody can get in there, more people are interested in it, like, there's a lot of reasons why I think we see that, but it, it's just one of those things that I always associated when I hear cheating in online shooters, it's usually Call of Duty. Um, but it's, it's good that, it, it's funny too, because this isn't the first time that we necessarily heard Activision kind of getting, jumping on this pretty quick. Uh, granted, mm -hmm. this one's obviously a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more intense um, to kind of uh, get because it's a pretty heavy cheat. Um, but yeah, but we've heard, you know, them taking super quick action to not only, you know, ban people who have racist names and things like that, um, but also to they're with their anti-cheat system and granted this one going through a different computer so it doesn't alter your you know game files or anything like that that's a little different but still like it's you've heard we've heard of them going through and doing pretty pretty he heavy you know scrapes of the game to try to weed out as many cheaters as possible so it's good especially with a player base that big of course there's going to be stuff that falls through the cracks but for the most part them moderating all of that and cleaning that up is should be applauded. I mean, because we haven't seen it heavily before to that degree. I mean, especially when you were talking about Call of Duty. I think this is kind of a new age with how serious they're taking, you know, I don't want to say casual experiences, but, you know, obviously they're pro circuit. They take very serious, but like 
things like this, the average consumer who's jumping in and doing this and, you know, they're making sure they have the best experience possible and that should be applauded. But I digress. Mike, let's head into our big topics for this week. And we got some big ones. And naturally, last minute, we were going to record yesterday. I had some stuff come up that we had to bump it to today. And rightfully so. Yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. Naturally, it seems like anytime we do that, it either, either we, it's usually either we do record early and we miss the next day, or we record like earlier in the day on Thursday, we were able to make it work. Like I work from home or something like that. We record on Thursday earlier in the day and big news launches later that day and we miss it. So for once though, it worked out in our favor. We, we were able to bump the show uh, for some unforeseen circumstances and it worked out in our favor because we got some big news from valve today from one and only Gaben that Valve announces the Steam Deck handheld, starting at $400. That's right, Steam and Valve, they're getting into the handheld video game ecosystem, whatever you want to call it. They're getting into <laughs> that sect of gaming where they, you know, they originally dipped their toe into, and still support it, obviously, but not in a peripheral way necessarily anymore with the Steam controller and Steam Link, the box boxed version of steam link the standalone now it's just an app on your smart tv which is really nice for my smart tv it has it right there i'm able to pull it up and it's great to do it that way but they've kind of dipped their toe into that before but now they're going full hardware and it's really interesting so tyler wide has the write-up over game uh pc gamer as always link in the description so let's kind of dig into it and kind of set the stage here the rumors were true. Valve will start shipping a new handheld gaming device called Steam Deck in December of 2021. According to Valve, the device is an AMD, quote, powerhouse, which can run, quote, the latest AAA games. The chunky black rectangle includes a 7-inch, 128-by-800 uh, touchscreen, trackpads like the Steam controller, and gyroscopic controls. On the software side, Steam Deck runs a new version of SteamOS, the Linux-based operating system. <clears throat> Valve hoped Valve hoped to make a living room staple back when Steam machines were briefly a thing. That doesn't mean that the Steam Deck will be limited to Linux games, though. Valve says that its Proton uh, compatibility I'm sorry, software has been, quote, vastly improved and works with anti-cheat systems. You'll be able to play Windows games that don't have official Linux support, put simply. You can also tinker with the Steam Deck. It isn't a lockbox, so you can do whatever on it for the most part, and even use it as a regular PC by plugging it into a monitor and peripherals. Quote, browse the web, watch streaming video, do your normal productivity stuff, install some other game stores, whatever, says Valve. An optional USB-C dock will provide DisplayPort and HDMI output, an Ethernet adapter, and three USB inputs. Here are the specs of the handheld itself via Valve. The CPU features AMD Zen 2 processing, uh, 4 cores, 8 threads, uh, 2.4 to 3.5 gigahertz. Uh, GPU is an 8 RND, 2 CUs uh, that go from 1.0 to 1.6 gigahertz, which is up to 1.6 teraflops. Uh, and it has 16 gigabytes of RAM, and it comes in three different models of storage. There's 64 gigabits, 256 gigabits, and 512 uh, gigabit versions of it. With they all have expand expandable, uh, super fast like micro SD card slots. Now the newest version of that mm -hmm. is super fast or whatever. Um, and the they all three do have SSD for their storage, but the 256 gigabyte and the 512 are um. Uh, NVMe 
storage. So the newest version of the SSD um, that you can get out there, or SSD technology, I should say. As a seven inch display, like we said, it's uh, 1280 by 800, which is a uh, 16 by 10 ratio, uh, and it's a 60 hertz LED screen. Um, you got 3.5 stereo jack, dual mics, multi-channel USB-C, Bluetooth outputs, um, controls. Like I said, you have two analog sticks with, uh, full, like full-sized analog sticks, not like the switch where they're a little bit smaller. You got two full-sized one, um, with cap, uh, capacitative, uh, touch, a D-pad, face buttons, analog triggers, bumpers, um, assignable grip views, a view menu. You also have two track pads. There's two of them. And Valve, uh, Valve says that they have 55% better latency compared to the Steam controller, which is huge. Uh, wireless connectivity, obviously, and wired connectivity with the USB-C uh, with DisplayPort. Like I said, if you get the dock, if you're able to do the docked version, um, which does output to 8K at 60 uh, 60 hertz, yeah, at 60 hertz or 4K at 120 hertz um, via USB 3.2 Gen 2. Um, and the battery on it is 40 watts, which supposedly gives you two to eight hours of gameplay, which is a little bit of a wide range. <laughs> I'm curious how it's definitely like, hey, here you go. Play control on this for two hours or here, play Stardew Valley for 10 type of thing. So um, one uh, potential disappointment may be battery life. Valve says that the Steam Deck's battery will last for, quote, several hours while playing most games, and it maxes out at eight hours in, quote, light use cases like game streaming, smaller 2D games, or web browsing. At a minimum, it should last two hours playing a resource-intensive game. Hope, uh, hope your airplane seat has an outlet then, obviously. The Steam Deck starts at $399 for the 64GB version. There's also a 256GB version for $529 and a 512GB version for $649. The more expensive versions also feature faster storage, and in all three versions, storage can be increased with a microSD card. Um, you can obviously go over to Steam, check out all the full details on it and the full specs yourself if you want to run through it. And starting this week, so when you're listening to this show, when it goes live, you have, and it starts at 10 a.m. Pacific, so 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Steam Decks will go live for available reservation on Steam with a $5 deposit. So go over there, make sure you're ready to go. I don't know how fast that's going to go because that's going directly through them. I don't think you can get it at anywhere else. You have to get it through the, the um, Steam store. So virtually get in line. <laughs> so this was a rumor that had been popping up for quite a while and I don't want to even say rumor because a lot of reputable sources kind of reported on this, but I don't think like, I feel like we didn't cover it previously, not in the way that I didn't believe it was going to happen because like I said, there was a lot of reputable sources that talked about it. And I totally believe that their, you know, information was apt and correct and everything like that. But I was more like, I want to, I want to see how this plays out. I want to see what this is. Is this going to be, a handheld streaming device like we see with Xbox is this going to be, you know, something that isn't necessarily what we're envisioning a handheld to be, but it, it was so, but now that we know we're basically getting a switch pro for the most part. So there's a lot to break down with this bad boy, Mike, and specifically from a practicality, practicality standpoint. So I guess what are your, you know, after this broke earlier this afternoon, what are your overall thoughts of this? You know, does this make sense from a broader average consumer perspective, especially, you know, we're talking about this audience that the Switch normally talks to, the 
Joe Blow, you know, gamer that or somebody who is a lapsed gamer or somebody, you know, the casual gamer who doesn't buy a ton of games a year, but has now kind of gravitated towards the Switch because it is versatile. You know, this kind of would speak to them, you know, especially, you know, but does this make sense for them at this price point being a premium price compared to the Switch? You know, could this also be the answer to on the Xbox side of things being a true Xbox handheld with this thing being unlocked and being able to install Windows on it and being able to run Windows software on this and just put the Xbox, you know, app on here and load Game Pass up on there, you know? So where do you kind of stand with all of this, Mike? Yeah, it was kind of, it kind of came out of left field in my opinion. And it's mm-hmm. just something that like, it wasn't something that I never thought I would hear about, but it's just something that kind of just came out of nowhere. I certainly wasn't expecting it. It's not untold because Valve has tried to go to different avenues mm-hmm. um, to generate revenue, obviously, which is which is cool. To me, it's like I'd rather Valve be making games, but I can't hate this effort from them. They kind of saw the type of product that Nintendo put out, and they kind of, in my opinion, decided, like, how can we make this that much better like what can we do to this product or this idea and capitalize on it and make it better so that it's potentially more successful but at least more usable in everyday life mm-hmm. i guess you could say because you know with nintendo switch you get a you get an experience that a game like breath of the wild you might have some issues running through the grass or the frame rate issues are are there or when you want to play Super Smash Brothers against people online, it's very hard and it's very laggy. And, and that goes the same for pretty much every game on there. So it's there's a lot of things about the Nintendo Switch that are terrific. And again, Nintendo's just like a money monster, like a money-making monster because of the name, because of the characters behind it. Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers and Mario being one of the most, you know, recognizable carry um characters. It feels like everyone's parents for a million years said, oh, are you guys going to go play Mario or Nintendo? And it's like, no, we're playing Xbox 360. But they they still thought we were playing Nintendo and we were playing Mario. Right. So Nintendo's done great over the years for a lot of reasons in a lot of ways. They've always been like the oddball company. It's like, why the fuck are you coming out with a Nintendo Wii? Like, who asked for this shit? Like, mm-hmm. no, I, yeah. get that Pete, I, I get that, like, it has been said that, like, we wish these sports games were more realistic, but like, come on, get real, like a wand that you wave around. Right. But nevertheless, Nintendo's always done a very good job, I feel like, at making these products or these niche systems that some people might not enjoy. But, you know, I feel like the Nintendo Switch did, did relatively well for itself. I feel like a lot of people enjoyed it a lot. And I know you and Adam are two people who, you know, just love your switches and for good reason. And, you know, another person that comes to mind is like Matt Mahalko always had every single portable gaming system for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. just always had the game boy advances always had, you know, the PSP or the, the Vita. Mm -hmm. He just always had those things. And me, I never really got into the uh, portable gaming sphere, but with the steam um, or with the steam, portable game system that they're coming out with here Mm -hmm. it's definitely interesting because you're going to be able to play windows games on it Mm -hmm. and i already read in one of my group chats like oh well you know if maybe this is a an alternative to a lan computer maybe you can just show up to a lan with this if you were going to get the performance out of it clearly we don't think you're going to get at least 144 hertz out of it for any shooter game but you know a game that kind of comes to mind that 
would probably be fun on the go. And I know, I think it is on the Switch. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Travis. But mm -hmm. like a game like Dead by Daylight perfectly would work perfectly on something like this. Yeah. Another game like, you know, Company of Heroes, the game that we've played, like you would be able to play that, play it maybe not even on the go, but a little bit more portable and be able to hook it to your TV or any of those games that are just, you know, maybe you don't necessarily need the best performance out of your system. It's more about the experience. Uh, other games that come to mind that you might not be able to play on the Switch, but having them portable would be terrific. You know, Wolf Among Us, games like that, mm -hmm. that are super interesting, great story-driven games, but they're kind of hard to digest when you're sitting... They're not necessarily hard to digest when you're sitting in front of a computer for, for all intents and purposes, but it's just... It could be better enjoyed like when you want to play with Molly, like you being able to hook it up into your room or into your bedroom or whatever you guys want to do. And and that's awesome that that's going to be a capability. Mm -hmm. As far as the question as is this going to kind of take the place of maybe not take the place of, but help the Xbox out because you're going to be able to play Windows games. I do think that this provides a reliable alternative to the xCloud services that some people are saying is is great and other people are having mixed reviews on it and it's solely based on internet speed maybe this is going to be a way that you can kind of get around needing xCloud for everything if if, if that's an experience that you want mm -hmm. being able to rely on this because you're going to have windows on it and you're going to be able to play game pass ultimate games on it it just seems like a really good idea to me because again something that people might not realize or might not even know is like if a sports game that's not available on steam is available through a game pass ultimate you might be able to play that um if there's crossplay like nba 2k or, or any of those games mm -hmm. that's something that's relatively interesting to me in the, the possibility of that of being able to play that mm -hmm. you know it, it does seem like to me, being a Valve fanboy, just when it comes to straight up games, mm -hmm. it's a little disheartening. It's a little bit, it's not disheartening. It's just a little bit frustrating because we want new Valve experiences because there are things that Valve does that no other game developer can provide us. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad that we're not getting, it seems like we're not getting new games, but it is what it is. This is what Gabe wants to work on. And you know, you kind of have to respect it because he's such a titan in the industry. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go out there and slander Gabe's name because he's lazy and wants to sit on all the money he's making. And, you know, he straight up stole Dota from Warcraft and mm -hmm. is just cashing in on it. And I'm not bitter about it at all. No, mm -hmm. no way, no how am I bitter about it. You know, I'm just going to say Gabe's lazy as shit and just capitalizing off of other people. <laughs> and it is what it is. Hey, I mean... You're not wrong in what he did. I mean, they, uh, they, not bitter, by the way. No, <laughs> um, but I I agree with you on you know the fact of <sighs> it is one of those things. How many people were asking for this? Um, and I'm not one of those people who are. You know, I, I usually I usually don't say that when it comes to experiences whether we're talking movies games whatever like like when people came out and said like oh i why do we need a joker movie why do we need that and it went out and won academy awards um i've always been one to say well yeah we don't necessarily need that but you know cool that it's there i'm sure somebody wants us this would be somebody's thing like let them have it you know and while i think this is this is still one of those things where it's like 
yeah, I'm sure there are there is a group of people out there who are, who are looking, man, there's got to be a better way. My internet isn't that great, at least, you know, in terms of Wi-Fi or whatever that, you know, I want to be able to take, I'm a primary PC gamer. I want to be able to take my game collection with me or I want to be able to sit on the couch and watch a movie or something like that, you know, or do something in the background while instead of going and sitting on my computer playing on my, you know, playing a handheld or something like like I want to be able to take my PC gaming collection which we all have that if you have Steam there's a good chance that you have a stupid amount of games in your library that you've never touched because of uh, Steam sales being so cheap and whatnot but like I have I think now I just crossed over the what am I at now I have 253 games that I have and I am on Steam and I've probably played 60 of them, you know, like maybe a little bit more, but point being that there's so many there that like, I would love to take all those games with me and, you know, play them on the go or do something like that, that, you know, this does give me the option. It does give somebody the option. I mean, with PC gaming becoming more and more of a household thing now because of the Ryzen gaming and, you know, Twitch streaming and all this stuff, like PC gaming is making a push again. And, more people want to play more games on PC and have that experience, but then they're stuck with shit. It's I can only get this experience in one way. Well, at least you could take that with you now because it, from what my understanding, from what I've looked at, basically the output from a pure power standpoint is going to get you in the realm of the base Xbox one and PS4, which is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's not bad because it, it's outputting at 720, which is, totally totally good enough for native resolution on a seven inch display that's that's fine you know that's totally fine um that to me that makes a lot of sense that okay you're getting a system that is more powerful than the switch which the switch realistically right now is comparable to probably you know ps3 xbox generation in terms of being a handheld when you dock it you get a little bit of a power bump you could do 1080 and things like that but and Nintendo is always good at designing games around their hardware specifically that they get a lot out of them. Um, but point being though, from a third party machine that you want to have, like, you know, this does check a lot of boxes for people. The price though is where you kind of get iffy, um, you know, and you're starting at $399 where granted the switch OLED that's coming out later this year is going to be 350. So you're looking at a $50 increase it, 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 but that's baseline and that's where mm-hmm. i think valve and there was even there's going to be a full interview that comes out later this month with uh that ign had I, their ign first coverage on it where they had the exclusive on this and everything like that and ryan mccaffrey uh host a podcast unlocked over there the xbox he is mr xbox over there as you guys i'm sure know but he was able to go and get a full interview with gabe to get his thoughts on all of this you know about the release of uh the steam deck and everything like that and they showed uh they released a small snippet of it and gabe was saying well you know we were reluctant on price you know it pained us and i'm sure i'm putting words in it but paraphrasing like they weren't necessarily thrilled about doing the price at at six or at uh four hundred dollars you know mm-hmm. but the, and, and I'm saying that from a, hey, we're probably losing money on this because most console manufacturers do lose money, at least off the bat, when they're initially launching their consoles. You hope that software sales carry you. But point being, though, 
they were like, ah, we're losing money at $400, but we wanted to get it as low as possible. $400 just for an entry fee when you could get... Now, granted, it's a full PC for the most part that you're getting that's handheld. You could dock it. You could put it up to a monitor. It's You're getting basically... This is basically a you know pre-built PC that you're getting that is portable as well. So the price isn't ridiculous, but you're only getting 64 gigabytes of storage, which you can expand with a you know micro SD and stuff like that. We'll see. We'll see how that looks and how viable that 64 model is. But at least I personally would think if you're looking at a handheld and you're looking at, hey, I want to load games up on this. I'm going to be downloading these games right onto this device. I need in grand storage is expandable, but you want you want built in storage to be half decent, like at minimum, I would think the 256. But even then, it's like. I would probably at least I would do the 500, but then you're looking at what was it? Um, $650 for the 512 yeah. gigabyte. So that's a yeah. lot to ask for. No, granted, you get like a carrying case and all this stuff with it. Cool. You still got to buy the dock because they're releasing a separate dock on top of this that isn't included. You could do you could do a regular USB-C dock to it. That's totally fine. But if you want to play, you know, a docked version of this on your TV or your monitor or whatever, you have to have a dock. And they're selling, when they eventually release their own dock, they're selling that separately. So it's like, the cost does add up. And that's, to me, a casual consumer who you're releasing this that is clearly looking like, well, if we're quite honest, clearly looks like a Game Gear, but it's rivaling, the, it's rivaling, it's supposed to be, at least when you look at it, oh, this is a, it, it's supposed to resemble the Switch, or it's supposed to offer mm -hmm. what the Switch does, only a much broader experience than the Switch. And I get that, and I like that, and that's great. But the people who want the Switch are going to get the Switch. And the people who right. want that experience are going to say, oh, well, that's $300 or $350 or whatever. You know, I'm sure most people at this point, if you don't have a Switch, I'm going to tell everyone to just get the OLED model because that's the newest one and it's $50 more. Yeah, but you get a better screen and all this stuff. Like, just get that one. It's $350 compared to $300 isn't that big of a jump. You're already spending $300. So... But point being, though, they're going to see that and see, OK, well, it's at least $100 more, but I get more storage with the Switch. I get Nintendo games on top of that, too. And a lot of those games that are on there, granted, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know the graphical differences or things like that. But a lot of those games that I'm seeing that are on there, I can get on my Switch. They're doing third party games. I can get the Outer Worlds on there. I can get Mortal Kombat on there. I can get Control. There's a cloud version of that. They don't understand, I'm sure, the difference between cloud or whatever, but it's technically on there. I can get that. I can get Stardew Valley. I can get all these things that like Steam is known for, for the most part. I can get that on my Switch. But I'm like you. More importantly, when we're talking about personally, now this is dope. And like, you know, if if AMC continues to, you know, hopefully do its thing and money ain't a thing, you know, then yeah, I would splurge and get one of these. It'd be fucking sick. But I'm with you. Like, I'm, totally, I'm not in this market. I'm not in the market for this right, at all. But I'm with you in terms of when we're talking about what people want from Valve, I don't think this is it. Um, 
where I'm totally... It's almost like we're getting trolled at this point. Yeah, like, it, it's the troll face. The old, like, we're talking OG memes. Like, <laughs> just... Like, like I, I think that's what we're getting like here. Like the one guy from Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yes, yes. The guy with the blonde, long hair. Naughty. Yes, that guy's, that guy's smile. That's, yes. that's basically yeah. trollface.jpg. Exactly. And it's not that... It's cool that... And I think that's what Gabe's... I, I and I hope this I hope this pushes for them to do more software and, and by software I mean games like I'm hoping this this hardware because it seems like Gabe is now kind of hey what's the next thing like I I think he wants to push technology a little bit and I think that's his version of that is okay well what we want to do or what my ideas for software doesn't fit the mold right now for what we have let's work on designing hardware we're valve we have unlimited money because of steam let's let's develop our own hardware to do what we want look at half-life alex i mean that's because the valve index and they need to have that we need to have a system seller with this and granted whatever you know amount that they did sell with it the game it was heralded it was it's viewed as the vr game and it's viewed as one of the best games, if not the best game, that came out of 2020. And it's a VR experience. It's the first, like, true, I think, system seller for VR. And I wish I could play it, but I don't necessarily... The base minimum that I'd have to get is an Oculus Quest. And do I want to go and spend $400 on that or whatever it is? I, I would get the $400 one because it has, you know, internal memory and stuff like that. And I don't think it's very expandable, but point being, like... But also, like you get motion sickness with it, right? That's, so you're gonna spend yes. 400 bucks and be able to play Half Life Alex for 15 would, minutes, right? I would love to. I would love to just fucking sit down and play that game on my computer. Like I would love to just sit down and play a regular version. I love Half Life. I would love to sit down and play that. I love Valve games. I love Portal. I haven't played a lot of TF2, but I love Counter Strike. Obviously, I put hundreds of hours into Counter Strike over the years. Like. I love what Valve does, and I love Valve's games, and I love Valve's writing. I love Left for Dead. I love these experiences they have, and people want those experiences from them, and they have the bandwidth to do that. It just shocks me that they don't do it, and I think that's, I think that's specifically because Gabe's like, hey, I want. I, he seems like he was ready to. It seems like he personally is past hard or past software, and he's more hardware focused. I want to push this medium interactive entertainment as far as it can go and i want to start doing new things with that and i mean we'll definitely one day get a half-life 3 it's it, i know people are like oh it's a meme it's a meme it's a meme we got half-life alex and it sold for what it was it sold like crazy and it reviewed ridiculously well and valve just knows that they can pull that card anytime they want anytime they want they can go to sony show or microsoft show or whoever show at e3 and just walk out or do it on their own, obviously. But mm -hmm. point being, they know they have that card that they can just go pull out and throw a three up on the stage and people are going to shit their pants. Like, that's just, that's how it is. And it'll eventually happen. But I don't know if it'll happen. It, it might be like the Star Wars thing where with how, you know, George Lucas was done, pretty much done. Like, hey, I'm done doing Star like making new Star Wars movies or new experiences in terms of theatrical movies and disney bought them out and disney was like we'll make star wars movies <laughs> you know like we'll hire the right people to make star wars content and you know however you feel about that but point being that it might be one of those things that when gabe finally calls it a day like maybe that's the successor is going to step in and they're going to say okay 
let's make some games like because they have the bandwidth to do it it's just I'm, I'm excited for this this steam deck i think the tech on it's cool as me as somebody who is a techie who loves new hardware and loves to see now who has gotten you know back into pc gaming heavily over the past you know five six years because i can fucking afford it now um that like i love testing out new hardware i love doing benchmarks i love that stuff i love seeing the you know upgrading my hardware and seeing those performance boosts and mixing and matching and seeing what works well like I want that and I'm ready to see that and I'm ready for new experiences like that. But it's not first on my list with this. Like it just, I'm, I'm with you with, it's like people are ready for more valve software. Like that doesn't, you could have, and I know they have people working on software. I know they do. And we keep hearing about, I believe it's called Citadel. It's a rumored valve game that's coming out next. Like, like imagine, imagine like, Back for Blood comes out, mm-hmm. does r- does crazy numbers, like mm-hmm. does great because it's gonna. Mm-hmm. And then like a week later, Valve's like, "Oh yeah, L for D three, yeah, come get it." <laughs> it's just gonna be like, "You bitches!" Right, and that's what I mean. Where it's like that doesn't make sense. Like people have been asking that. Okay, well, why don't you know? Why don't you just do that? Like, <laughs> just do it. Yeah, I, I and I know it's it's not as simple as that sometimes, but to be honest, sometimes it is where it's this is clearly they know they don't need to do games to make a ton of money and now you know gabe is stuck on hey i want to it's from what it seems like i don't want to put words in his mouth but he's stuck on i want to push tech i want to push hardware i want to create that next experience from a hardware standpoint and then we'll make software for that but you know i'm ready for another portal i'm ready for the next fucking half-life i'm ready for whatever the next counter-strike is i mean I'm cool with playing CSGO for however long it needs to be, but at the same time, I want new experiences. You guys fucking kick ass at making games and designing games and designing worlds. Like, do it. <laughs> like CSGO, CSGO sucked when it first came out for a long time. Yeah. It was just yeah. a really shit game. And they, I remember you know, how, like, up- how like divided the fan base was between like with 1.6 to then source and people being like, no fuck source. And then being 1.6 to CSGO and people being like, no, <laughs> fuck this harder. Like this is worse. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> no, no, we went forward. We don't want to go back <laughs> literally, but, but yeah, so it'll, it, I'm excited to see how, what this does and how this is received. Like as we get closer to December, when this thing launches, I would love to get hands on with it. I'd love to try it out. I'd love to, talk about it more it's just it's going to be one of those things just like a valve index where it's going to be a select amount of people are going to be able to afford this and going to be able to get this and going to be able to try it out that cool yeah it's it's one of those things that yeah it'll be hopefully somebody at the store gets a display and that's what the experience is going to be for a lot of people that they're going to go to the store and hopefully try this out in the display but even in a post-covid world who the fuck knows if that's going to happen so I'm excited to try this out and hope or hopefully try this out and, you know, one day maybe get hands on with it between now and September or December and, you know, see where it goes. And maybe I will pick one up, but it has a lot of potential, but there's so many barriers to entry with it that I think it's speaking to the wrong audience or it, it, it's it's putting up the facade that it's speaking to one audience when really I don't think it is so. I don't know. We'll see. But anyways, Mike, before we get too long in the tooth, let's move on to our next news article. And we're talking about a kind of interesting topic that seems to always come up every, you know, six to 12 months or so. 
difficulty in games. And some people have an issue with difficulty in games and accessibility and things like that. And me personally, I don't know, but let's get into it. And it all stems from Psychonauts 2, which I was talking about earlier. Psychonauts 2 to feature an invincibility toggle as, quote, all people should be able to enjoy games. This comes from Adam Bankhurst over on IGN. As always, link in the description. Double Fine has revealed that Psychonauts 2 will feature an invincibility toggle as it believes that, quote, all people should be able to enjoy games. Double Fine shared this bit of news on Twitter in response to Xbox's Twitter saying that, quote, beating a game on the lowest difficulty is still beating the game. Quote, if you beat Psychonauts 2 with the invincibility toggle on, you still beat B2, er, P2, Double Fine wrote. All people should be able to enjoy games, all ages, all possible needs. It's an ongoing, it's on, an ongoing and important process for our industry and a challenge we need to meet uh, head on. End of the day, we want you to have fun, to laugh, to experience a story that affects you on whatever terms you want, end quote. The studio also shared a uh, satirical quote that pokes fun at those online who try to gatekeep games and not uh, and say not everyone should be able to play a game. Quote, uh, excuse me, I beat Sword Guy Serious Time on a no-hit no hard mode, and if you don't do that, I don't respect you. And, like, can you even comment on things you don't, you're not Diamond, diamond 6 rank in Shooty McBlam? I don't think so. The quote reads, In response to the fake quote, and to emphasize the point, Double Fine added, Quote, cool, bud, you're so cool. The debate on games difficulty has been ongoing, an ongoing one for years now, but the truth of the matter is the difficulty is relative to individual players in so many ways. By adding an invincibility toggle to Psychonauts 2, this is in no way impacts the player who wants to play on the hardest difficulty. It only allows more players to enjoy the game that, may, uh, that just may become their next favorite of all time. Psychonauts 2 and its invincibility toggle will be released on August 25th, 2021 on Xbox Series X S and S, Xbox One, PS4, and PS5 via backwards compatibility. Oh, and it will also be available on Game Pass on day one. So, this has been a pretty ranging and raging, I should say, topic for years now regarding difficulty in relation to accessibility in gaming and different things like that. As it gets into more people's homes, though, it's going to continue to just be this raging topic. It's just going to be, as more people become gamers, it's going to keep being a thing, um, this conversation, because more people are obviously coming into gaming. Now, there's something to say between, you know, artistic and creative vision when designing a games. You know, I look at Cuphead, Soulsborne games, things like that that are built without they're built, hey, this is how this game is, and it's designed this way to be inherently difficult. It's designed to be challenging. But at the same time, does that pull of difficulty really matter at all in 2021? Should, just because it's, we want to, hey, design this game difficult, and because it's for this certain player base, does it need to, does it warrant having that in 2021 when you could have more people play it by just throwing on, hey, here's a normal difficulty and here's an easy difficulty. You know, I personally, I'm like you, I like some challenging experiences with various games, but at the same time, there are games that I love to go back to that I just want to revisit the narrative for, like Uncharted mm -hmm. games or The Last of Us or, you know, even Oblivion, like going through Oblivion this time, I turn that sucker on low, lower difficulty. I want to go through and just do all the quests and enjoy my playthrough again, like, and get all the achievements. Like, maybe I don't want to play it necessarily for 80 hours now. Maybe I want to play it for 40, you know, like, that's just how it is sometimes. And, you know, I want to immerse myself in that game. And some of the aspects of that game can be frustrating at times because of it being an older game and things like that. I don't want to deal with that sometimes. So 
And to me, though, you know, neither of those two sides are worse than the other. Like, I think both can coexist, in my opinion, and, you know, throw in accessibility needs and, you know, some people needing to because of, you know, cognitive disabilities or physical disabilities or anything like that. Like, I think that opens up this to be a potential no brainer, in my opinion. So what do you kind of think of this, Mike? Like, what's your stance on it? What's your stance on, I guess, gaming in general with difficulty and accessibility and all that? I mean, obviously, we want to make games as accessible as possible, but I guess the conversation around difficulty in general, like, where mm-hmm. do you kind of stand with it? I'm I'm in the camp of, of I want people to experience games their way mm-hmm. because what I prefer is certainly, and I found this out maybe when I was a little bit younger, I was a little bit more ignorant to this fact, but... The older I get, the more I read all kinds of outlets, not even just Reddit, but all kinds of outlets about certain games that I personally loved. It's it's abundantly clear to me that everyone kind of experiences or at least enjoys their experiences differently and certainly differently for me. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, as far as difficulty is concerned, it doesn't really bother me. If you want to play a game through on super duper, super de duper de easy, because that's the way you want to play it, then by all means, do it. Um, I'm not a big fan of forcing game developers to alter their product to appease your needs. If you're someone who doesn't enjoy difficult games or doesn't enjoy certain experiences, then just don't play those games. Like, I, I don't want to be that guy. But in a world where pretty much seemingly every single game that's ever supposed to come out recently has been delayed mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons, um, mostly COVID-related recently, but just in general, games are very difficult to make. I've never tried to make a game, but from everything I read, everything I'm, I hear, documentaries I watch, games and coding in general are is very is like super difficult. So mm-hmm. if you're someone who wants these games to be super easy or once a different experience than everyone else. If a game developer can, can put that into their game and it's easy for them to include, then by all means, that's, that's up to the game developer, but I don't want to dumb down a game or dumb or make game developers do things that maybe not necessarily they don't want to do, but like is very difficult for them to do. Um, Games take a very long time to develop. So, Adding on t- development time because you want different experiences just doesn't seem very feasible. Uh, as far as like the accessibility concerns, that is a. I feel like moving accessibility away from difficulty is probably the best way to tackle it because at the end of the day, it comes down to feasibility of game design again. Like, how hard is it going to be? To develop a game that has accessibility features. I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. Um, I would have to refer to a game developer to tell me how hard it is to make these things happen. And again, it's another thing where if a game developer has to make a game and then make a bunch of different difficulty lever, uh, a bunch of different difficulty changers to that game, um, and then they have to add in accessibility features how long is that going to take is it going to take them six years to make games when a lot of the game developers have you as you have said are underwater as it is as far as money and things of that nature um crunch is a huge issue nowadays i mean 
you know, it, it probably always has been, but crunch is a big problem in the industry. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people working on your favorite video games are independent contractors with absolutely no benefits, mm-hmm. which is another huge issue in the industry. And now you're asking for all these different accessibility features, all these different versions of the game to make it easier for Tim and Tim and little Timmy and little Joey to enjoy the game how they wish. Like mm-hmm. if you don't like difficult games, don't fucking play Ninja Gaiden. If you don't like difficult games, don't fucking play Ghost of Tsushima. They just don't play it. And if you want an accessibility edition of those games, maybe it's time that these game developers, even if it's going to ruin or they think it's going to ruin the experience, go with like the Resident Evil has always has recently done or other games have done and open up and and Give options for modders to get your source code so they can change it. Maybe a modder can do it for free, do it as their side project because a lot of these game development studios, a lot of tech companies, they want to see a portfolio of what you've done. Mm-hmm. What better way to to walk up to a game development company and then be like, okay, so how how do we know you can develop a game? Look at this mod I made for this game that made accessibility an option. Well, now you might be the head of accessibility at a at a studio or at least a part of it. Like, yeah. oh, and, we're... and that's that's not a that's not a stretch. I mean, with as many as as prevalent as this conversation is like this is going to like more studios are starting to get either consultants or whatever with they have to with the accessibility game's gonna have to be, yeah it's I gonna mean, have to be coded differently period it just is right 100 percent, and it's becoming more and more prevalent to have you know coordinator of accessibility or whatever you want to call it like a accessibility consultant on your team to make sure i mean um, Steve Saylor, he goes by the blind gamer. Uh, you can find him on YouTube and everything like that. He's worked with, you know, naughty dog to when the last of us part two was coming out and consulted with them to say he's technically legally blind and he's, <laughs> you know, worked with them to say, Hey, these are some of the things that, you know, those who are blind or just in general within the accessibility community, um, Steve spawns, uh, another, one who uh, comes to mind uh, from Pittsburgh, even too, who's huge in the community for with disabled gamer or with able gamers. I'm sorry, able gamers to work with making games more accessible and things like that, that here's the laundry list of things that we want. It's not necessarily like that deep of things that we need, but you know, let's have the conversation. And if it's been a point and I, I agree with you that, you know, okay, well, if it's been a point that, dev studios just haven't before said hey we don't have the bandwidth to do that or we don't uh, unless we want to seriously crunch with this we don't have the staff to be able to go and make you know certain you know make the ai scalable that is you know and rework all the code that goes along with that and things like that because it is a big undertaking i know a lot of people you know and that's not excusing it necessarily but what i'm saying is like it isn't necessarily a flip a switch type thing. There's a lot right. that goes on to that, but that's where studios need to be more proactive. Cause I'm on the side of, Hey, make his games. I'm like, like you said at the top, like make his games as accessible as possible. Like I, I want people to have the experience they want to have. And if that <laughs> means them, you know, having a very easy mode on games, you know, that's, I don't fucking care. That's totally. Yeah. Fine. Like I don't even care if the enemies don't shoot back at people, right? Whatever it, you have to do to make it, possible then do it right i mean provide them be able to get you know 
be able to maybe leave some features in from a debug version of the game that provide that, you know, if, if that's possible. I, and I don't, I don't work on the dev side, so may, I don't know. Maybe I sound ignorant saying that, but I'm with you in the sense of, yeah, I want people to have the experience they want to have. But I think then it, that it does fall on the developer to then say, okay, if we can't have that, we need to start bringing in professionals who do have that, or we need to start working with third parties who can help make our game accessible. Is it going to cost a little more money? Yeah, but guess what? We're going to make more money on that because more people will be able to fucking play our game and more people will be feel inclined to give our game a try because before it would be, you know, somebody who is legally blind, somebody who is, you know, they have MS or something like that, or their mm -hmm. motor skills aren't as, uh, you know, quote unquote up to par or however you want to say it. It isn't, you know, their motor skills limit them from being able to play the that game. You know, okay, well, Xbox has been great with making their adaptive controller and they've gone out mm -hmm. of their way with working with people. They've said, okay, cool. We hear you. Let's work with people. Let's, instead of us talk about what we should do, let's listen to what we should do and then yeah. work on that and say, okay, if we can't physically handle it, let's bring people in who know what the fuck they're talking about and know yeah. what they're doing. So, cause like from what I've read, as far as coding is concerned, like what I've read, what I've seen online, just stories you hear from old games. Mm -hmm. I, again, this is coming from someone who doesn't have a coding background. It sounds like it's not like going to a restaurant with someone in a wheelchair and they don't have a ramp and mm -hmm. then they don't have a handicapped bathroom. That's a little bit negligent because at the end of the day, you know this is a reality. You should be building a ramp in front of your, your building. In fact, it's government code in a lot of states and, and countries that you have to have handicap accessible things. So mm -hmm. in this case, not having as, a ramp. Somebody, as somebody who works in facility management within the college sports world, mm -hmm. ADA is a very real thing, and we have to be compliant to that. Yeah. As somebody who you just like worked on building a new arena, it's, it is a very big, not only legal thing, but it's just you have to have that period yeah it's 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 a no like there's no excuses which is great because for a long time the handicap community especially in america was kind of dealt with like like um deplorables like we didn't want to mm -hmm. deal with them and it like they weren't a part they felt like they weren't a part of society and and for good reason because we didn't take care of them now th whenever it comes to coding it's not just as simple as calling a construction company spending a little money and having these things installed you're mm -hmm. talking about a potential jangle like Jenga tower where you change a little bit of code here, you pull out that block and then the entire code falls apart. And now all of a sudden you had a game that was working flawlessly and now the entire game's broken. I know that's a little bit more rare, but a game that comes to mind is uh, if you watch, a, a, uh, there was a, um, a documentary on the development of the original um, Starcraft and there was a, a line of code and StarCraft and even Mortal Kombat had it, but the one the one that comes to mind is in is in no the one that comes to mind is specifically Mortal Kombat, where there was a specific line of code that anytime anyone touched it, it broke the entire game. Like for whatever reason, that one little line, which didn't seem like it was a big deal, completely bricked the game. Mm -hmm. So Ed Boon had to go in, write rewrite the code, fix the code, and then put in parentheses beside this: "Do not fucking touch this. You break the entire game." So that piece of code just can't be changed because the entire game gets blown up. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's not the same way now, but coding is really goofy. And sometimes the computers don't act the way we want them to act. And it's just not as simple to like to include these, these accessibility features 
as it is with with even with difficulty stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I just want people to realize that yes, accessibility needs to come to video games and it's coming. Difficulty options and sliders need to come to video games. But at the same time us as humans it, it's 2021 like you know what? I can't walk up to the Pittsburgh Pirates and or the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Pittsburgh Penguins and say, "Hey, I'm going to play on your team today." Mm-hmm. And then if I can't make the team, just oh, slide that difficulty slider down. Like video games, that's not the same. That's it, it's like apples and oranges because going to play professional sports isn't the same as playing video games. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to go into a scary movie in the movie theater and like I'm not going to like willingly go and be like, I'm going to go watch a scary movie, which I know scary movies fuck with me and I don't like. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to like the movie, so I'm not going to go in there and like write a letter to whatever director and be like, hey, bitch, like your movie (laughs) sucked. Can you tone down the violence or can you tone down the scariness a little bit? Mm -hmm. They're just going to write me back and say, fuck you. It's my art. It's the same thing with video games. They could just tell you, go fuck yourself. It's our art. But I I do applaud the video game industry because they are coming a long way in terms of accessibility and difficulty. But I just want society and the gaming community to realize like, there's just going to be games that aren't for you. There's games out there, and this has been the way it has been since day one. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, we grew up in a different. I grew up in a different generation, and I'm not trying to like be a boomer <laughs> to the zoomers. Like, I'm not trying to to invoke this all knowing. Like, I'm older than you. I know better. But like, go back and play some fucking NES games. Those mm-hmm. games were hard as fuck, yeah. and they didn't give a shit. Arcade games your, were made. Your, your story about your brother with Friday the 13th still <laughs> makes me like tackle to this day. Anytime Literally. I think about it, just Jason gets stronger. I'm done. <laughs> He's like, oh, fuck this. I'm out and just walks home. Like, dude, like games back then were so difficult. And arcade games inherently designed to take money from you. Yeah. Inherently in the code. And nobody cared. Nobody cried. Nobody cared. And and it's it's the same thing. Like, there's just going to be games out there. I just aren't you aren't for you, dude. Like it's just mm-hmm. not your thing, and it, it and it sucks because I know everybody wants to experience it. But you know what? You might have a favorite streamer, or if you're someone who might not be able to get through Ghost of Tsushima because it's not, it's not, it's just something that you're not good at mm-hmm. personally. Hey, man, there's probably someone out there on Twitch that might be your cup of tea that you might want to enjoy to watch because. Uh, there's a there's a, some games that I've watched let's p- plays of mm-hmm. and yeah it sucks for the developer because I didn't buy the game because I saw a let's play and was like that's probably good enough for me and that does suck for the developer but there's th- those things exist out there on YouTube and Twitch like you can probably get the same experience if not maybe better because you might like the streamer's personality a lot you might get a better experience out of watching someone play it and then wanting to pull your own hair out. That might not be your thing. And I understand, Mm -hmm. but there's just, it's a big ball of wax. But the first thing I would like the gaming community to do, and I know I have no right to ask, ask it from the gaming community because we're a small podcast. It is what it is. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dumb hick. I'm an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Whatever you want to say about me. We just have to remove lumping together accessibility and difficulty that's not that's not it chief like you're not that guy trust me you're not that guy like just separate those two things because they're so different and Mm -hmm. i know it's like easier some people might think it's easier to be like 
oh, if a game's easier, it's more accessible. That's not that's not it at all, because you could make the game easy as shit, but the, the controls and everything could still be very difficult and convoluted and, and very hard to work. Like, we got to separate those two things first before we can start moving forward. And we are moving forward as a community, and everyone's moving forward as far as developers, but it's still a relatively new idea to be like, let's make this game where someone who might not have use of their hands can play it and things of that nature. It's very hard and, and people are working on it. I just, we just got to give people a little bit more patience with that kind of thing. And I know in 2021, it's not a lot of people are patient with change. People want to see rapid change, but you know, it's, it's something that's going to take a little bit for people to get used to and people to be able to make and, and build feasibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in, I see both sides to it where I, I don't, I don't inherently disagree with what you're saying because like, I, I agree that there are experiences. Like I do believe in creative and artistic vision of a game. Like with souls porn, it's just as much as I will be hot and cold on them. Sometimes they aren't my thing. Like sometimes that style of game just isn't no matter how bad I want it to be. But when it comes to, and I do agree there, there is, I think a little more of a line in accessibility and difficulty than people may want to give. But my thing is if, if a game, if you're into a game and you're into a vision of the game and you're into the style of the game and you're enjoying so much of a game, but it's inherently difficult. If it's possible to put in a difficulty slider or something like that, if it is, you know, like we've been talking about, if it is, great do it and i would love to see that and but i do agree that hey it's more than just a switch that needs to happen with it there needs to be the time that's put into that with crunch and whatnot that plays into it and you have to work with people who know accessibility but at the same time too when we're talking about accessibility issues from a physical standpoint a cognitive standpoint things like that a vision standpoint like we need to there's i think it it goes more than just difficulty it, it gets into more actual design aspects of the game from a you know visual standpoint and you know cognitive approach standpoint things like that where it's there might need to be more things done than just a difficulty slider and that's where i want to see more things done to a game that mm-hmm. more controller uh you know more control inputs more uh you know ways that you can yeah like if someone has if someone has one hand how are you going to work around the fact that this game has been designed for someone who has two right or they're paralyzed from the neck down i mean Mm -hmm. like there are controllers that people can use with their mouths and stuff like that like i want to see more implementation of that in more ways than that that i get i i i don't disagree with anybody who's going up and saying hey i want a difficulty slider in every game i agree with you and I want that to happen because you want that to happen. And maybe that isn't my thing necessarily, but at times it is. So like, I want it to happen like you want it to happen, but there's more to it than I think just, Hey, flip a switch. And I think it needs to be because there needs to be more conversation around it. And if that is more, Hey, let's do X, Y, and Z to bring people in to make sure that is a part of our game. If that's what needs to be done, that's what needs to be done. And I think that's the more important conversation around that because i want that to be done that i want the i want studios to say don't look at the bottom line of oh well it's going to cost us more money to bring more people in to handle accessibility and work with people that way 
well, you're going to make more money on that because it's going to be more accessible to more people. So, like, you got to spend money to make money, and that's capitalism. But you know what? Fuck it. That's If that's what needs to get done, that's what needs to get done because I want that to happen. But I don't disagree at the same time of, like, it's okay for some video games to be just designed difficult because that's what the experience you want. Like, your horror movie comparison, like, I, I don't disagree with that. Like it's just art at the end of the, in my yeah, opinion, it, it in is. my humble 100%. opinion, it's art. I mean, that's and why if someone it, wants to draw a big dick and it get put into a museum because it's just a big dick. Yeah. And whenever you ask them, what did that mean to you? It just means like, fuck you. I don't have hey, to explain big, it to big you. Donkey. Maybe I just want to draw a big doinker. I don't know what I don't. Maybe I wanted a doinker in here. <laughs> Literally. You know, like, that's okay. So like, I, I don't disagree with that standpoint because that's a lot of people play Soulsborne games because they're challenging like that's okay that's they design i mean miyazaki designs those games specifically with that in mind because they're challenging like it's okay to have that too it, it both i, I don't want to be middleman but like it's okay to have both in this situation i want to push for i want to push for more accessibility options and more more games to have you know difficulty sliders and whatnot i think they should be in all games personally but at the same time, it's okay for people to like difficult things too, you know. So, I don't know. We'll, I, we'll go. We can go on forever about that. <laughs> but Mike, let's head to our last news article real quick, just to go over because it's not too in detail. But I'd like to get your opinion on this from a competitive standpoint. But devs talk new quote mark system, aka ping system, and Halo Two inspired weapon rack in Halo Infinite. This comes from Eddie Mockuck over on GameSpot, as always. Link in the description. More details about Halo Infinite's multiplayer have emerged. As part of a, quote, employee spotlight feature over on uh, over at uh, 343 on lead multiplayer designer Andrew Witz, he revealed that Halo Infinite, Halo Infinite, I'm sorry, multiplayer will have a mark system that sounds like a brand new feature for Halo. He also revealed that Halo Infinite's weapon racks are inspired by Halo 2. In the interview, Wits described the mark system like this, quote, a feature where players can mark a spot in the world that lets their teammates know vital information, like an enemy position or a weapon's location. This sounds uh, similar to the ping system from Apex Legends that has subsequently been borrowed by numerous other shooter games. Which also dis uh, discusses another new element of Halo Infinite multiplayer, spawners, as they call them. The team at 343 designed this to help players understand where weapons and items will be on the map in an effort to make the game easier to understand and enjoy. Quote, if I'm playing multiplayer and I play it for the first time and I've never played a map, I don't know where weapons are spawning. We wanted to make it a better experience for players, and we invested into what we call item spawners, which said. The item spawners are assisted are assets like weapon racks and uh, equipment spawners. It's nothing new for Halo in terms of what players expect, but we wanted to call out where uh, where weapon spawns in the world. Or weapons spawn in the world, I'm sorry. The weapons on Halo Infinite's map will spawn on weapon racks inspired by Halo 2. We put those weapon racks on the walls because we wanted to develop a visual language around scavenging in the game so players can make split-second decisions around where to find a weapon, Wit said. Map knowledge is still an important skill to maintain, but we wanted to find a way to ease the burden of developing that knowledge by creating assets that pop off the environments enough that you can make quick decisions on what item you want to get for the fight next. So... I would be lying if I told you I wouldn't expect a ping system to be implemented in almost every AAA shooter to come out from now. So I'm hard pressed to say this implementation is necessarily surprising. <laughs> but Mike, is it the right move for as unique of a shooter is that Halo is? I should say with mm -hmm. it, there's almost Halo's like 
It's almost like playing a Valve game. It's almost like playing an Elder Scrolls game, like a Bethesda game. Like, there's a uniqueness to this that no other shooters necessarily touched, whether good, bad, and different, whatever you want to say. But Halo is a uniquely different shooter from its presentation and really mechanics for the most part. But does it fit in there? And, you know, in BRs, it makes sense because there are different grades of weapons of the same weapon randomly spawning around the map compared to Halo, where... You know, items are purposely spawned in certain places for certain different maps and certain different game types and subsets of game types. So does that fit? And really also, what's your thoughts on the spawners in general? For me, I'm guilty of losing track of weapon spawns on maps and timers and things like that. So to a more casual, friendly player like myself, I'm definitely having it welcomed. But I, I want to hear your, you know, competitive mindset and experiences, you know, taking that. What do you think of both of these? Yeah, I think both of the additions are made to make the game easier which for some people that might be good um for from a competitive standpoint again we are having this conversation which feels like deja vu with halo 5 which was released like 55 years ago it feels like it was like five years but whatever um where competitive integrity is in question and these two features i mean the the pinging system a lot less so the pinging system seems like a good point, and mm -hmm. it seems like something you can probably turn off. Like, if if I can go in to a forge or make changes to a game type to turn stuff like this off, it doesn't really care. I don't care. Like, if I want to go in and play socials with you and Adam and Kyle and people who don't really play or don't know the maps, it makes it more fun for everyone involved. Um, there's less of, like, a beating up on noobs aspect if everyone knows where weapons are and everything and that that kind of makes sense from like a social standpoint but to me like um the pinging system doesn't really affect competitive play all that much to me in fact it'll probably be nice in matchmaking because rather than me getting on my microphone and raging at people because they're morons i won't even have to put my mic on i can ping stuff if i really want to mm -hmm. but i do think that that feature will probably be removed in the competitive playlist the weapon spawning on the wall with alerts, like with callouts and everything. That's something that I think will probably make it into competitive play because 343 has a really hard time with understanding that it's it's okay to have two different experiences. Even though Call of Duty does it pretty damn well. Mm -hmm. It is okay that the competitive game is a lot different than the normal game that everyone kind of digests mm -hmm. it's okay to have differences mm -hmm. at the end of the day the core game is still halo but the gameplay itself can be different and 343 has a really hard time with understanding that the sandbox person is still Qu quindell idioto so it's really um that's quindell hoyo but he's an idiot so we just you know make a play <laughs> on his name it's it's concerning there's not a whole lot that's been announced about halo infinite that has made me super hopeful. In fact, everything they release and everything they talk about makes it worse for me. But again, I'm still going into it with a little bit of, of cynical optimism because at the end of the day, there's only one Halo and I'm really hoping that they do a really good job with it. Um, but again, from a competitive standpoint, it's all pretty counterproductive to what Halo actually is supposed to be. Um, but times change, things change, and maybe it's just old age and, and me being a grumpy old man talking. But I'm just hoping that at the end of the day, these are these are customizable things. But based on prior experience with Halo 5, 
I'm not too sure if that'll be the case, but we'll we'll wait to see what happens with it at the end of the it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I I won't know for sure until I actually see the game. But um, I'm just glad they're making it more accessible for casual fans because it'll be more fun for everyone who's casual to just pick up the game and, and play it and know where stuff's spawning rather than only people who've been playing the game for a long time or continuously picking up the sniper rifle. And you find yourself wonder or saying like, man, I can never find the sniper rifle. Where, how the hell does this guy always have it? Well, I know when it's coming up and I know where it is, you know, where everyone will know what it, where it is. So that makes sense from a casual standpoint. Yeah. And, and that's where I'm looking at it. And I, my thing is, I hope that, I hope that this is an indication of where I agree that it should be, this game should have bandwidth in terms of both having a casual, having a casual scene and a competitive scene where both should be able to. And I think that's what, why Halo three succeeded so much because it was able to do both. It was able to provide a casual sandbox experience for the most part, or I'd like to, I like to call it sandbox experience from you know we're talking not literally like a sandbox game but more so this sandbox experience from a social standpoint of anybody can jump in anywhere with a forge map doing whatever and just dick around all day and that could just be a they literally could just make an open literally just anything any kind of open map to just you and your buddies can just jump in and shoot stuff and run around and do whatever or you could build racetracks or do whatever like that's what made halo so great with halo 3 that you could instantly flip that and go into a hardcore competitive playlist or go into a very high-end esports scene. Like, I want this game to be able to have that. And I think these things definitely play into that. And it's good to have that I would hope, you know, if, like you're saying, from a competitive standpoint, I would imagine they're probably not going to have those or be able to turn those off. But from a casual standpoint, I think they're doing those to get as many people into this game as possible. And because they need, I mean, they need it. Granted, Phil Spencer is on record saying this isn't going to be Halo's make or break. Like we're still going to support Halo and this and that. I think a lot of long-term fans. And I think a lot of people now just in the general gaming who's who are in on gaming at this point know that like, yeah, Halo is always going to be a thing, but how big of a thing or how people look at Halo this is probably, you know, this could be it type of thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm in the standpoint that I think this game is built with bandwidth in mind. And I think this bandwidth is important. And I think this bandwidth is needed for this game to succeed. And I think they know that too. I think at this point, I, I feel very confident saying, I think three, four, three knows our backs against the wall, maybe not financially, but in terms of just, being involved like being involved with you know fan support and whatnot are backs against the wall right now so they need to make this game work and i think this game is i think they know that and i think they're going to implement that in a way that they're they need they know they need to support both groups and they need to do it in a way that one group isn't being supported too much and the other group isn't and vice versa so i feel confident this is going to be something that is beneficial is beneficial to both sides where it makes it more accepting to players and also those players then learn the game and want to be interested in competitive and are able to move into competitive on their own terms. So or in the terms of what is laid before them for a competitive scene or whatnot. Um, yeah. And both of those can live in conjunction together. Yeah. Because like just getting on 
the game to go into a random social game and just get fucking stained because you can't get any weapons. Like, nobody enjoys that. Yeah. So I, I definitely think this is going to be... I think this is a good thing, and I think it's going to work. I'm staying positive. I'm being positive. I think this is going to be a good thing for Halo. So, And I think it's going to, in the long run, make both happy. So, But hey, people can come back and yell at me if this is going to be on record. So if it doesn't, so whatever. Mike, let's head into the tail end of our show. I guess that's what I was going for. But let's end the party chat before we wrap up the show this week. If you're new to the show, Party Chat's where we propose one question at the end of each week that we just want to discuss with you. Kind of be almost like our book club of the of the week where we want to hear from you and we talk about a question. You get it all. But could be serious, could be lighthearted, whatever. And after answering ourselves, we kick it over to you to tweet your responses or email your responses over to us on Twitter at GPGCPodcast or email at bonusaccessory at gmail.com and we'll answer or we'll read some of your responses the following week. Last week's question was outside of the Halo franchise, what is one title or franchise within the Xbox Game Studios family that you wish you can go back and experience for the first time again? And Havoc underscore top over on Twitter said, Double Fine with uh, double fine with an over-the-top shooter. I might have pulled that one from the wrong one, but oh well. <laughs> Anyways, though, I'm sorry, Havoc. I pulled the wrong one, so next week I'll get you a, a better one. But I'll, if you write in, I'll make sure you get it next week. That's me. I messed up the run of show, so that's on me. Fuck it. <laughs> but thank you for writing in nonetheless. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Anyways, though, this week's question, Mike, and next week we'll get it right. If and when possible, do you see Microsoft adding a third console system to its lineup this console generation? Or will we not see a mid-gen refresh like last gen? So what I'm basically inferring is, since we have a Series X and a Series S at launch, will we see that you know equivalent of a PlayStation 4 Pro or an Xbox One X? Will we see that this generation? Or do all these other you know ways of playing, like cloud streaming and whatnot, do we think those are meant to carry this system all the way through in terms of keeping longevity for it? Or do you think we're going to see another, you know, an Xbox Series XX or something like that? You uh, get what I'm saying. Triple X. No, I don't. Hardcore, I don't, baby. <laughs> hardcore Xbox. The real experience every oh, yeah. teenager wants. <laughs> no, I, uh, I Mom, don't I'm just so. cleaning. Oh, I'm just getting changed. <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to see a uh, mid-gen reset because a refresh, because I know that these consoles that came out are, are pretty top of the line, but I don't see there being like a huge increase in technology. Not that there was like a super huge increase, but there was a relatively big increase in technology from like between like the release of Xbox one and the Xbox one X. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the same power spike happening. And the caveat and the reason for this being is there might be technological advancements, but like right now in the world, especially in America, people talk about there being shortages of everything. And like there legitimately is shortages in everything. Mm -hmm. But the one of the biggest things that there's a shortage of right now, if people didn't know, it's one of the reasons why you can't get a lot of computer parts besides like crypto mining and, and stuff like that is there's a, there's a, pretty serious shortage of microchips in the world right now. Mm-hmm. So phones, cars, anything that has little microchips, um, basically you can't, there's a huge shortage of right now. And the reason being is the vials that the COVID vaccine are created and placed in mm-hmm. is the same material for those, um, 
those uh, microchips. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right now you can't get microchips to make new shit because uh, COVID vaccines. So the more you know. There you go. The more you know. I. It's funny. I think I could see it going either way. And I'll just play devil's advocate. I think we do see one. Um, but it's, this guy. But it's this not, guy. It's not in the sense of because I think most both of these consoles are scalable up to 8K. I know the PS5 is. And I think this I think the Series X is. I, I Don't quote me on that. But. With how scalable both of these consoles are, just in general, I think that leads to longevity with them. Um, but at the same time, too, I think we will see some kind of new system from Microsoft. It could be a, a beefy powerhouse, or it could be something that you know replaces the Series S or something like that. Or it could be a streaming device, like a solo streaming device. You know, I I think we see something. I don't think this is the last Xbox system or what's viewed as a system because i view our phones as systems now with cloud streaming and everything like that so i don't think this is the end i think we see something whether it's a beefy console or not i don't know it might be a streaming stick or something but i think something that is viewed as an xbox system is coming so mike i think that's going to do it for episode this week why don't you tell people where they can find you on the interwebs talk about everything we talked about whether it's Halo Infinite, like always, or whether it's the Steam Deck and what that's going to do, or difficulty in games, everything like that. Where can people find you on the interwebs to talk about everything we talked about today? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier, and the second O is an X. Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice, nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist, on most internet platforms, including at Travelis underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also stream, find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelis underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you can do so over on Xbox Live at just regular old Travelis. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, of course, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and pc gaming including news rumors and conversation around them damn good video games you can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every friday morning on youtube apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and all other major podcast services so be sure to subscribe to us rate us review us all that jazz i tell you every week wherever you get a podcast at and if we're not on there let me know we'll get on there and follow us on twitter at gpgc podcast stay updated with everything regarding the show video games like and our dope giveaways and mike it's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of a growing community. Game ons. Still wash your hands. That'd be acceptable. Socially acceptable. I mean, especially <laughs> after taking a shit and whatnot. Even though COVID's starting to ramp down a little bit in terms of the pandemic end, it's still out there. But just fucking wash your hands after you take a shit and whatnot. You know? Be courteous. Let's be a decent human. Let's be a decent human. And with that being said, also, too, Black Lives Matter. And guess what? We will see you next week. Next week.